Hello, and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, Series 3, Episode 21. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? I- I'm good. I've- I'm going to be honest. So, obviously, last week and this week, we've been doing doing bands that never broke into the, or not not really broke into the, certainly not the top 40 as such in the 80s. Yeah. So last week we had The Fix launch, uh, sorry, Our Daughter's Wedding. Yeah? Yeah. This week we had the, we've got The Mood, Fashion, Naked Eyes. Fruer. Uh, Agents on aeroplanes. Agents on airs and wall of voodoo. Mm-hmm. Well, I I I quite liked the uh, lunches are everywhere. Sorry, lawn chairs are everywhere. Oh yeah. And um, I just went. I I I, I saw. Look, had a look to see if because I know Cherry Red Records made. You know, they sometimes release um, these groups old mm-hmm. material. If you remember, there was one that. I can't remember who it was, where they s- literally badged the whole album as a collection of, or the best of. They don't even oh, release. Yeah, one. they only released one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can't. It was only a couple of episodes ago, but yeah. Yeah. I well, I come across this. The best electronic album in the world ever. Okay. Three three discs. Three discs. Okay. Nice disc yeah. one is is your normal, you know, soft yeah. cell, human league, visage, heaven seventeen, tears of fear, and orchestra, OMD, um, you know, all, all the ones you'd expect. Thompson Trins, Yellow, Nick Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got your favourite on there, Trio, da 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 da, who um, yeah, no, one no. of the biggest selling <laughs> singles, evidently. Um, number two is more um, disco-y. But okay. disc three, disc three, um, has like one hit wonders, but it has on it Devo Whip It, which wasn't in the top forty, but it's no. on. It's got Furniture, Brilliant Mind, which I do obviously like. Um, it's got Animation, Obsession, um, but it also got The Fix, who we had last week. Um, yeah. One thing leads to another, which, as we said, was yep. in the top 40. Mm-hmm. Our Daughter's Wedding, Lawn Chairs, is on there. Oh, my God. And one of the ones we're doing today, The Mood, Don't Stop. They're all on there. It's really weird, isn't it? Like, how they're on there. In the UK, like, as we know from last week, the ones that I listened to were big hits in, like, uh, the US. I think here Australia and New Zealand, but they weren't here. So it's yeah. weird that that has been put together, yet they weren't big hits here. How yeah. strange. But mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, moving on to this week, how how did you find it? So this week I found very minimal songs on Spotify. So it was difficult week list wise. I had to do a lot listening when I made my notes, like I couldn't just listen in my car and have my first impression straight away. So that was quite hard. I still don't know how videos can be made when it's not a hit. Like, obviously, if they've hit elsewhere in the world, then it just, it just baffles me. 
Yeah, but they they make the video and release the single before they know it's you know they obviously that all the record company they mm. feel yeah we get behind this we promote it make a video yeah. but it flops. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so this week I've done like another looking at comments on the videos and. I think that there are some people from the 80s that have completely different ears to me, or most people, to be honest, as there are some songs people really reminisce about and I don't get how they get emotional over them. Like, for example, I've got a song today, Doot Doot. There are people commenting on there going, oh, this is like really hit me. Like, I've got such nostalgia from this. Um, It makes me feel emotional thinking back to when I first listened to it. And I'm there like, are we listening to the same song? This song made you emotional. This song has really hit your heart. Out of all the songs in the 80s, Doot Doot has really touched you. One of them I saw a comment saying, I want this song to be played at my funeral. Can't remember which one it was, but I was like, but it was one that I was... I was like, I don't get you, but okay. Um, I want to try and find it now. That's it. It was doot doot. It was doot doot. <laughs> Someone wants doot doot at their funeral. Well, you saying about doot doot? I I couldn't remember how it went, so I I put it on the streaming that I I have, and it gives you um, it gives you a playlist of other songs related to the one you've looked up oh yeah and it's quite interesting that the other songs that doot doot got and it was quite a good playlist i have to say what so you like doot doot then no 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 uh, a playlist that was recommended the, uh, the rest of it so okay jewel from propaganda or sort of say propaganda with jewel which obviously mm-hmm. you've had altered images don't talk to me about love yeah. The Dream Academy, Life in a Northern Town. The Blow Monkeys, Dig in Your Scene. Fiction Factory, Feels Like Heaven. Blamange, Don't Tell Me. OMD, Souvenir. Electronic, Getting Away With It. Echo and the Bunny Men, Bring on the Dancing Horses. And then the next one is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Our Daughter's Wedding, Lawn Chairs. That comes up like so much. What is wrong? I know. <laughs> and then, yeah, you've got Howard Jones, New Order, Mental as Anything, Split Ends, Visage, Psychedelic Furs, Prefab Sprout, Depeche Mode, okay. Japan, Haircut 100. So, you know, it's. But also, good... that's really weird that they come up in relation to that song. Like, it's not even yeah. like they're similar. It's like yeah. they've just. Seen the song, saw it was an 80s, and went, Oh, you might like these bigger bands. Bar. And you got, there's another one in here that you've got coming up. I don't think it's next week, I think it's the week after. Right. So, another one that a group that Didn't hasn't had a top 40, they're on here. So, yeah, there's two. So, you've not only got um, Our Daughter's Wedding and obviously Fur, you've got another one that you've got coming up that's on here. So, but no, it was quite a good little little playlist. I quite enjoyed it. Glad you did. But then they're not bad groups. The groups that you've just listed, I'm like, well, yeah, I know all of those. And there was a few where I was like, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. I think I enjoyed that one. But 
do do itself. Yeah. Whether that would have come up if I hadn't have put that, I mean, I'm sure if I'd done one of the bigger ones, do do would not have come in. That would have come up. It would. So, and probably the same up. with lawn chairs. Yeah. Um, that probably wouldn't have either for my daughter's wedding. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, shall we? Uh, let's talk music. Let's do it. Okay. So first of all, just to remind everyone of the uh, the bands you had this week. So um, we have briefly uh, gone through them. So the mood, the fashion, naked eyes, fur, agents aren't aeroplanes, and wall of voodoo. So. Let's talk about the mood. Yes. So I've gone with just simple synth pop for these. I think they're a trio. They've got very good vocals. And I'd written that. And then I also said his vocals have a good range. And I like the use of like the other two being the backing vocals. I think their harmonies all work really well together. But looking at comments, someone said his voice is vaguely similar with a likeliness in cadence and tone and the abrupt changes in rhythm and key are reminiscent of ABC, but overall it just has a more disco-dominated feel than ABC, which was really a refreshing sound that no one has ever duplicated. And I was like, oh, so his voice has stuck out. I mean, I've never thought about going that deep into someone's vocals, but this person did. Um, They're talented with their use of the synthesizer, they like a black and white video, and like I only had three, so there weren't much to go off. They never seemed to wear jackets; they always had it over their shoulder. Like they were smartly dressed up, would always have like a shirt and trousers on, but their jacket was always over their shoulder. And this week also made me realise. So, like, I remembered that in the eighties, men liked to have high volume in their hair, and it made me think about everyone that I've had recent, like, well, just over the years. I think I've come to the realisation that 80s men really took care of themselves. Like, not in the way that people do now with, like, skincare. Just, they really put effort into getting that volume and making their hair look nice. But I think they had more hair, whereas now people have, like, short back and sides, don't they? So, yeah, like, they really, they were really pretty men in the 80s, mm. I should say. Mm. So did you say someone said they were, like, ABC? Yeah, very similar in with a likeness in cadence and tone and the abrupt changes mm. in rhythm and key are reminiscent of ABC. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so The Mood, as you say, were a mm-hmm. triple. Uh, yep. John Moore on vocals, Mark James Fordyce on bass and Eric James Logan on um drums john moore also played guitar by the way as well as vocals um the two so mark james fordyce and eric james logan were known as the two jameses oh yeah, so, that makes sense, okay so they were formed in 1981 in york and they are a pop band oh not synth pop just pop just pop is what they're listed as so okay. yes so John Moore formed the band originally as a five-piece with the two Jameses, Fordyce and Logan, plus Steve Carter and John Dolby, D-A-L-B-Y, Dalby, Dolby. Um, so the band released a single, Is There a Reason, 
through a small independent label called Romantic Records. Okay. However, after a reshuffle of the band that saw Carter and Dolby leave, the remaining trio signed to RCA Records in 1981 and released a new reproduced version of Is There a Reason? So they, re they, they released it as a five piece or the original yeah. on a little independent label. They then yeah. had a, a falling out or reshuffle, as they called it, um, just became a trio. And um, they re-released that, that same single, but on a bigger label. Yeah, as just a trio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then they released Don't Stop, which was a number one on the UK dance chart. However, neither singles reached the top 40 of the UK singles chart. And the follow up, Paris is one day away. So it shows, you know, in the 80s, what did they walk to Paris? Well, not even mm. walk. Um, no. We obviously didn't have Eurostar. Walking would have taken a hell of a lot longer than one day. So, you know, but um, yeah, one one day away, you can get to Paris now in a couple of hours, I think. You know, jump on Eurostar and you're pretty much there. You can do that on a plane as well. You would have oh, yeah. planes. Yeah, but no, one Paris is one day away. Um, that also just missed out on being a top 40 hit. And then after follow-ups, Passion in Dark Rooms and what was to be their final single, I Don't Need Your Love Now, both flopped with I Don't Need Your Love Now not even making the top 100. So, yeah. Ooh. And that explains why, we're listen yeah. why I've listened so to So the band split up in 1984 without releasing an album, although a mini LP was released in the US, but not over here, even though they were a British band. In 1992, John Moore reformed the mood with a new lineup of Paul Atkinson on bass and Steve Bradley on drums. They gigged regularly in the north of England, obviously coming from York, before changing their name to Wild. They never signed with a record company or label or released any singles and subsequently split in late 1993, just a year after forming or reforming. Uh, well, forming as Wild, yeah. but reforming from what was Mood, even though it's just the lead singer in it. Um, an album of all the Moods singles was eventually released in 2008 by Cherry Red Records, titled The Singles. So really, you've, you know, no album to talk about, no, because it was released after. They did try, but everything just yeah. flopped and didn't go their way. Like, it was literally like, I don't know, like, mm -hmm. what more could they have really yeah. done? So, The Mood, you had three singles. So, 1982, Don't mm -hmm. Stop, which, as I say, is on this, which is oh, the yeah. best album in the world, and The Mood are on it with Don't Stop, even though it only got to, wait for this, number 59. So, we're far out of the top 40, but I was expecting like a 42, 45. That's like 
yeah weird how it's on that cd um it was very simple I don't, it's not it's not their best song either either I found it simple. There's not much body to it. It has got some good beats in there. And it is, ele- like you can tell, it's very electric. So I get it being on an electric album, but it's not the best one of theirs. Okay. Maybe got. this is the best one. 1982 again. Paris is one day away because that got to number 42. Yeah, that was my favourite. Uh-huh. That's the best one they've got. It's very 80s sounding and it's got, a catchy chorus like you can't help but yeah. get it in your head so yeah i'm not surprised that one only just mm-hmm. missed out yeah. and then their last one passion in dark rooms also 1982 got to number 74 oh that's bad yeah i'm not quite sure what they're singing most of the time the chorus does save it um so it's a, it's not a bad one like, I prefer Passion in yeah. Dark Rooms over Don't Stop. So when you think of those three, and then you put into the mix, I Don't Need Your Love Now, which we know, as I said, didn't get, was their final single, didn't get into the top 100. And their first single, um, Is There a Reason, which obviously didn't come anywhere either. Um, that must be one hell of an album to listen yeah. to. Oh, yeah. You know, it'll take you what? <laughs> not, that, not that long. Yeah. Minutes uh, I'm guessing it's got the B-sides as well. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know what was on the uh, the mini LP that was released in America, but I'm sure there's oh, yeah. some other material on there. But I couldn't even tell you because I don't think any of theirs were one that I saw that I ended up really? with on Spotify. I think I couldn't find. Let me get up my playlist and I'll let you know the ones that I did find to add on spotify no it none of theirs were on spotify i had love shadow from fashion always something there to remind me by naked eyes promises promises by naked eyes doot doot by frua and mexican radio wall of voodoo they're the only ones that i could find Mm -hmm. so they're the only ones that have had my full listen this week not taking video watching listen so, uh-huh. yeah. so there we go okay so that was the mood three songs and yeah very short lived really yeah. um formed in what 1981 released their singles in 1982 83 um well not even 82 their hit ones were all in 1982 and by 1984 they'd split up very so lived. very short but then lived. i'm not surprised because they were releasing the material and just not getting anywhere so yeah. i mean no they could i mean be i think it, they were too too out with um mm. paris's one Which day away got into the top 40 could have gone on to top of the pops and who knows how their yeah. career would have gone crazy isn't yeah it? but there we go okay moving on to the fashion yes. so this one I went with New Wave, and then something changed in the sound a little bit. So I went with rock. So it's like New Wave, a bit of rock maybe, and then a bit of synth. Um, I am wondering whether the lead vocalist changed because 
when so I had four by these two of them so Street Player and Love Shadow had the lead vocalist with slick back brown dark brown hair in a ponytail and then I got to I Talk and then You in the Night and it's a blonde guy and they don't really have the same facial features I even went back to um Love Shadow to compare so unless he really changed, but even like the vocal sounded a bit different. So yeah, I'm a bit intrigued by that. Um, they all dressed smart casually. Like there was nothing that really stood out about them. You know, they didn't have any style that was just that, like to them. It was quite chill to be fair. Um, but like I said, the sound definitely changes. There's a slight hint of rock in there. Um, but it's quite upbeat rock. Like it's not harsh. Um, and then comments that I found, fashion had the most amazing bass sounds. And why did this band not achieve the success that they truly deserve? One of the best sounds around. So they've definitely got their fans out there. Yeah. So fashion. Luke Sky on vocals and guitar, left in 1980. Tony Dial, vocals and guitar. Dick Davis on drums and John Mulligan on synthesizer. They were formed in 1978, Birmingham, and they are a synth pop new wave okay. band. No rock in there. Definitely sounds like a bit of something yeah. in there, but it might just be because of the instruments. Yeah. So the band were originally called Fashion Music. And were formed by John Mulligan, Dick Davis and Al James. Al would later go by the name of Luke Sky. Short for Sky Scraper. And a reference to the Star Wars character wow. Luke Skywalker. Oh, no. That's a bit sad. <laughs> so later in 1978, they also founded their own record label, Fashion Fair Music. Enough. So change their name to just The Fashion to separate from their self-owned yeah. label. So they released their first two singles, Steady, Eddie, Steady and City Night, that's City with an I, not a Y, okay. um, in November 1978 and June 1979, respectively. Mm -hmm. And the band were picked up by US label IRS who released a third single, The Innocent, in the US in September 1979. It was while with IRS they recorded and released their debut album, Product Perfect, with all three members credited as the songwriters. Between 1978 and 1979, the band played shows with Toya Wilcox, UB40, Hazel O'Connor and Billy Idol, who all would go on to be successful, while a then recently formed band called Duran Duran would open their shows. So the fashions in contact with Duran Duran, who opened some shows and for fashion and obviously these other groups who did go on to bigger fashion. things but yeah duran duran open shows for the fashion so imagine being luke skywalker and saying i remember when duran duran opened up for me i was the headline they were just the the opener 
the warm-up act. Yeah, but also, then Duran Duran went on to do things and poor little Luke. Yeah, they just skyscraper? started. Skywalk, skyscraper. Luke, Luke, Luke skyscraper. Yeah, Luke Sky. No as he one. Went with. <laughs> yeah. Like, but as I say, he can still stand stand in that that supermarket queue, and while he's waiting, yeah. just go in his head. You're not going to believe oh, this. Yeah, and then <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Duran Duran, have you heard of them? They opened up yeah, for me once. once. If I ever bump into him and he says that, I'll be like, and then what happened to you? Duran Duran are big now, aren't they? And then, bam, his mood drops. Because it's like, that's, yeah, okay, great. They opened up for you once, but then what happened? They made it big, you flopped. So that's... Yeah. He wasn't in the mood. He was in fashion. Yeah, I know. He said his mood ah, would drop. Funny one, you aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Duran Duran used to open up these shows as like the warm-up act for the likes of Fashion, Toya Wilcox, UB40, yeah. and what have you. And um, funny enough, Duran Duran's bigger than them all. Definitely. I would say. Um, Fashion, the band, also toured the UK with U2 and the US with the Police. Yeah. And they also supported the B-52s on their first ever UK tour. Been places, and they've been with people that have made it big. And they've yeah. just basically... Yeah, just did enough to make themselves by But the you would have thought Rich, that being, know. like, with those people, it would have... Something would have happened to all of them together. Apparently not. Yeah, but I suppose if you... Maybe their music wasn't quite... Didn't have that special ingredient that these other ones did yeah that's true we'll find out when you talk about it um in march 1980 they released a new single silver blades on their fashion music label after splitting from irs while also releasing let go in late 1980 on a birmingham band's compilation called bouncing in the red which was through it or distributed through EMI. Okay. Tony Dial was recruited as the new vocalist and guitarist after Luke Sky left, and they also recruited a bass player, Ian Moore, at the same time. Although this new lineup played live gigs and even supported Human League in Birmingham, they never released any new material. And both Dial and Moore soon departed. Hey. So it slowly crumbled. Yeah. So the band regrouped after Mulligan and Davis recruited the Harris, D E, and then Harris, H A R R I S, on vocals yeah. and guitar, and Martin Reshi on bass. The new lineup signed with Arista Records in late 1981 and released the single Move On in November 1981. And although it didn't chart, the single impressed Arista enough for them to finance a second album or an album. Wow. Sorry. So the band's second album, but uh, an, al the an album yeah. as far as yeah, Arista yeah. was going. Was going yeah. So the band recorded their second album, Fabric, which is Fabric with a Q, not Fabric as we okay. spell it, which not only contained Move On, but also Street Player, Mechanic, 
and Love Shadow, of which were minor hits in the UK. De Harris, born David Harris, was now the band's songwriter, writing every song on fabric. So he wrote all yeah, the material. Yeah. In 1990, the album was released with additional material as The Height of Fashion. So I guess that's a play on words yeah, yeah. in yeah. saying that is when they, the band were at their mm -hmm. height. Which in other words, two fingers up at Luke Sky. Yeah, when you think about it like that. Who was obviously with the <laughs> when original. When you think about it like that, yeah. Two fingers up. That's how I looked at it. Um, Harris then left the band just before a proposed world tour of Fabric and following the loss of their now singer-songwriter, the band were dropped by Arista. Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense considering they haven't got that singer-songwriter. Yeah. You can't really do much. Yeah, yeah. Harris was replaced by vocalist Tony Tate and guitarist Al Darby, although Tate never recorded any studio material with the band, although he did perform live with them and even sang new songs, Love Is and What You Gonna Do Next, as well as some of his own material. Oh, okay. Tate subsequently left and Darby would go on to be the right. vocalist. The band then signed to Epic Records. To keep going. While signed to Epic, the band released their third album, Twilight of Idols, in 1984, mm -hmm. with Darby not only acting as lead singer, but also being the band's primary songwriter, penning all but two tracks on the album, with I Talk released as a single, and yet again was a minor hit in the UK. Singles in the UK on... Sorry was yet again a minor hit on the UK right, singles yes, chart. Okay. However, after playing live gigs to support the album, the band split up. John Mulligan went on to record material with Nick Beggs, formerly of Kachagoogoo, mm -hmm. while De Harris, now reverting to his name Dave Harris, became a music producer. Right. In February 2009, 30 years after Fashion released their first okay. single, Luke Sky, now based in California, re reactivated the Fashion name to issue a new album, Stairway to Is Nowhere. Is that him on his own? Yeah, but with a new band, right. sort of. Or, yeah, I don't know if it's him or, on his own going under the name right, Fashion okay. or he recruited some like um, session musicians or whatever, but right. yeah. Um, However, this version of fashion only existed for a short time before once again becoming dormant and hasn't been seen so again. So it's like the name fashion is just I've got a curse on it, really. Yeah. So no one obviously owns the name as yeah. such, but I suppose because the members played, pl starred under it, they've all, they all have yeah. used it at yeah. some point. So yeah. So yeah, 2009 was the last material, but that was more with just what luke sky as as the main person with no one else from yeah. the fashion um but other than that the last the last album and that was um with darby being the uh the, the lead singer and songwriter and that was in 1984 these ones tried a lot harder then didn't they they tried to get themselves out there a lot more they 
persevered with it a bit longer. Yeah. So, the fashion. 1982 street player mechanic in so it's a bit weird because it all i've got is street player but then I, when i was looking it up it also had um this mechanic in rackets mm. um which was spelled m-e-c-h-a-n-i-k and that got to number 46 okay well that was a very instrumental robotic sound well the vocal sounded robotic i should say um and it was just very repetitive Okay, then 1982, Love Shadow, which got to number 51. This was very upbeat, and it had great use of sounds, like the instruments that played a big part in it. It was really good. Then we had 1984, I Talk, and I got to number 69. I Talk was my favourite. It had a good slow, good flow, great sounds, and was fast-paced. Like It was definitely their best song. And then in 1984, You in the Night got to number 94. That's bad. Um, this one, well, no, actually, 94 is good for this song because have you listened to this song? No. Don't. Do you know what it sounds like, right? It's a very calming song, but it sounds like something I would put on at my work, working with children, to get, like, to get a calming atmosphere for their bedtime. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was quite... I, at first, I was like, it's a pure instrumental, but then every now and then you had little soft new, uh, soft vocals in there. I was like, this is completely different to all their other songs. Like, even Street Player being instrumental, that had a lot more vocals in it, for one, and was more... There was more in it, whereas that was just... I don't know. Complete opposite. Very odd it was when I heard that. I thought I was listening to a completely wrong song, you know, because of how different it was. Okay. Moving on then to Naked Eyes. Hmm. So I went with just New Wave for this one. They've got soft sounding vocals. And what I like about it is it just seems they take their time with the music. They want to make it a masterpiece. Like they think about every layer that's in there. Like it's not just lyrics on top of music and rushed. I don't know, like, you know, some songs you can just feel like it's a bit rushed. These, they didn't. Um, They're pretty and well-groomed. I only saw the lead vocalist. I didn't see anyone else in the band. Um, I also listened to What in the Name of Love. And that had catchy, catchy lyrics. And that one was better than the two that I had, I thought. Like, I was conf- confused as to why it weren't given. Like, I don't understand why that didn't hit. I mean, not that the others were hits, but why only like why it weren't part of the ones that I had. Um, mm-hmm. In the comments, there's a lot of talk about a Bert Bacharach. Bert Bacharach, yes. Yeah. You'll come, I've got that in my notes to okay. explain that one. There's a lot of comments about him. Um, yeah. And then the comments were underrated, perfect example of 80s music that stands the test of time. But I'm also like, how can it stand the test of time when it didn't hit in the first place? You'll find out. So Naked Eyes were a duo of Pete Byrne on vocals and Rob Fisher on keyboards. 
Why do I know the name Pete Burns? Did he has he gone on to do other stuff? Sorry, not that Pete. So Pete Byrne was the lead singer of oh, was it Dead or Alive? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is time. sorry. I, it's probably me and my pronunciation. This is B Y R N E. Right. Okay. 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 Not okay. Just, yeah, with you. However, we have mentioned Rob Fisher before. That name does not stand out to me. <laughs> so Pete Byrne was a vocalist. Rob Fisher was keyboards. So they were formed in Bath, Somerset. Nice. They're a synth pop new wave band. Okay. So the duo had formerly been formerly been part of a band called Neon with Kurt Smith and Roland Osborne. Okay. Who would go on to form Tears for Fears? Kurt Smith and Roland Erasable. Uh, Erasable. They're so, not yes. standout names, though. Like, considering we've done Tears for Fears, I don't recognize yeah. their names, even yeah. though you've said yeah. it. Yeah. So, Byrne and Fisher had their own record label, 3D Music, which mm-hmm. they had released a few of Neon's singles without success. And after Neon split, the duo formed Naked Eyes. So out of Neon, you got Naked Eyes and you got Tears of Fears. Yeah. I'll let you choose which were the uh, ones that had the most <laughs> success. Well, I mean, this um, is a lot. Anyway, doing yeah. Naked Eyes now, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Naked Eyes are seen as, as one of the first bands to make significant use of the Fairlight CMI sampling synthesizer huh? on a is that, recording uh, is that a brand of synthesizer yeah yeah it's one of the main ones or was you had roland and you had out uh, there was others but yeah if the fair light was quite one and they were which would have been through rob fisher right. um so the band's first hit was a cover version of bert Bacharach and hal david's Always something there to remind me. Right. There you go. Which charted at number eight on the US Billboard Hot 100. What, with the original did? No, no, no. Their version. Naked Eyes got to number eight on the US Billboard Hot 100. So that's done well over there then. So maybe, so I'm guessing these have done well in the US. Well, that that single did, yeah. Just their that debut. That well, was their debut album, "Burning Bridges," was released and produced by Tony Mansfield in 1983, mm-hmm. who had been who had seen success with his own band, New Music, with the single "Living by Numbers." Yes. I remember. Yep. When you said Tony Mantle, I've heard that name before. Yes. So, and he would go on to work with AHA. Oh. Um, so the album Burning Bridges contained their singles Promises, Promises and When the Lights Go Out. The 12-inch mix version of Promises, Promises featured vocals from Madonna. And both were hits in the U.S. with Promises Promises reaching number 11 on the U.S. In, on the Billboard Hot 100, while When the Lights Go Out charted at number 37. 
Which one featured Madonna? Um, Promises, Promises on the 12-inch. Right, okay. I was going to say I did not hear Madonna. Yeah, no, on the 12-inch mix, okay. Promises, Promises, the, the, the featured vocals from her. Okay. Really. Um, Mansfield also produced the duo's follow-up album, Fuel for the Fire, in 1984, which saw What in the Name of Love, released as a single, reaching number 39 on the US Billboard Hot 100, to give the duo their fourth top 40 single in the US. That's amazing. So yeah, they've definitely done well over there. Yeah. Following the duo's success in the US, Byrne moved to California and actually performed on Stevie Wonder's part-time lover single, while Wob Fisher formed Climey Fisher with Simon Climey. Okay, yeah, wow. So there's a lot of people coming from Naked Eye, isn't there? Yeah, Neon. So the group Neon... had offsprings of Tears of Fears, Naked Eyes, and Climey Fisher. Yeah, yeah, Neon, not Naked Eyes themselves, yeah. So the duo never toured as Naked Eyes due to the technical difficulties of recreating their studio-sounding concert. So obviously the Fairlight synthesizer at back in the day was brilliant in the under studio conditions but as soon as it was live and you know it obviously going through different speakers and what have you it obviously didn't work so because of the technical difficulties they never actually taught which wouldn't help them no that hasn't helped their status in america America, they've done well but not doing well over here them not touring could have promoted them a massive amount yeah so I'm sure we've, we mentioned it when we went through Climby Fisher, but Wob Fisher died in August 1999 from bowel, ca- bowel cancer at the age of 42. Oh. Byrne has since released an album, Fumbling with the Covers, in 2007 under the name Naked Eyes. And in the summer of 2008, Pete Byrne toured as Naked Eyes with Belinda Carlisle, ABC and the Human League, as well as a tour with the Go-Go's in 2014. Who I had last week. Yes. And then in June 2021, Byrne released an album, Disguise the Limit, also under the guise as Naked Eyes. Wow. So So they've done more recently than they did well, in the but, 80s. yeah but only under obviously well Rob Fisher's obviously now yeah. not with us but yeah. um yeah obviously Pete Byrne has continued and he just felt that I suppose um rather than doing it as himself it would be higher profile to do it as naked eyes higher profile I mean not like they had a massive profile is it well they did in America yeah but not over here no, no, but they're more American-based, aren't they? Belinda Carlisle, the Go-Go's. Yeah. Not, I don't know where they toured. It may well have been in America. It might have just been America. Okay, I'm thinking yeah. UK. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Naked Eyes, two singles you had. 1983, 
always something there to remind me, which, as I said, was a cover of Burke, Bacharach and Hal David's single. It got to number 59 over here. Okay. Um, I even wrote, was this a cover? Because of the comments. So uh-huh. like, I didn't, obviously, I don't have a clue what the original sounds like. Um, it's slow, but f- fulfilling. Um, it's got a good chorus and it's a bit of a head bopper. Got a good beat. Okay. And then in 1983, again, Promises, Promises, charted at number 95. Oh, that's bad. Well, it is when you compare that it, when you think it got to what number, what did I say? Oh, I, um, I think that was a, one of the highest. Yeah, number 11. Yeah. Well, Promises, Promises was my favourite out of the two. But What in the Name of Love was probably my whole favourite of what I listened to. Um, promises, Promises, their vocals, music, lyrics. It was just an all-rounder, good song, and it was very catchy. So, yeah, funny enough, What in the Name of Love didn't even get, I don't know if it didn't get released in the UK. It certainly didn't chart. Um, whereas, obviously, in America, it got to number 39. Yeah, I did like that one. Okay. So, moving on to Freur, if that's how you say it. F-R-E-U-R. Yeah, that's what I've gone with. It's the Duke Duke guys. Um, I don't really know what genre they are, so I went for rock, but God knows. God knows. I don't know. I've gone for rock just because of the sounds that are in there. I feel like there's a bit of a hint of something. I don't know, but God knows. Um, the name, what? Like, I just have a lot of questions. Like, what's the name like? Um. Like, what even is their sound? Because I listened to another one. I did do that to myself. They had another one, did they? <laughs> they had a couple, but I only listened to one. Riders in the Night. I think it's I've got just, that in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot of layered sounds. Just a lot at once. Yeah. Um, comments I had was the Doot Doot, most underrated tune of the 80s. And I want this song at my funeral. Um, I know why I said rock as well, not only because of the sounds, but also what they wore in the Doot Doot video. It's like when rock meets disco. So their head shouts rock, like their hairstyle, how their demeanour about them. But their outfit are like shiny, colourful, disco-y looking suits. So, but their music okay. were disco. So, yeah, I'm intrigued right. about these now because, well, okay. you know. Well, you're miles off with the, um, with the. Genre. Genre. Um, but we'll come to that. Or at least, you know, what I've got written down is, you know, where I got it from may be wrong. Um, so, for are Cole Hyde on vocals and guitar, Rick Smith on keyboards, Alfie Thomas on bass, Bryn Burrows on drums, and John Warwicker, wait for this, as a video synthesizer and graphics. I know, it confused me as well, believe you me. So they were formed in 1982 in Cardiff, Wales, and they are a synth pop new wave band. They're not. Yeah, I'm just, as I say, you've listened to them. I've just looked them up. 
Um, I mean, yeah, there's a, like be... I say, there's a lot of sounds. Mm, yeah, and that could come from a synthesizer. So, Cole Hyde, Rick Smith and Alfie Thomas formed the band in 1982. And then in 1983, they recruited John Warwicker and drummer Bryn Burrows. They originally had only a graphic squiggle uh, for a name. Then when they got a recording contract with CBS Records, the label insisted on a pronounceable name rather than just a logo. So the band made the compromise that the squiggle was pronounced fur. Oh, so their name is still a squiggle. They've just given the squiggle. And if you go on to a certain encyclopedia reference site on uh, the internet, uh, you will see the squiggle on there. I, I um, so their first and only hit single was Doot Doot, which was recorded at the Point Studio in London in 1983 which was managed by Rupert Merton of Point Music, who already managed the Thompson Twins and signed up for to um, under his... So they went to the recording studio yeah. and he obviously liked what he heard and signed them up. Okay, fair enough. So Doot Doot went on to be a hit in Italy, number 17, New Zealand, number 17, Germany, number 24, and the Netherlands, number 36, right. when it was released in 1983. Between 1983 and 1985, the band released five further singles, Matters of the Heart, Runaway, Riders of the Night, The Devil and the Darkness, and Look in the Back for Answers. However, None of the singles charted in the UK or anywhere else. I the mean, band also released two studio albums, Doot Doot in 1983, which had the singles Doot Doot, One Away, Matters of the Heart and Riders of the Night. And then the other album, uh, Get Out of the Here, which had the singles In Devil the, the Devil in Darkness, Look in the Back for Answers, and The Piano Song. Although the second album was... Album. Sorry? They made enough huh? music for two albums. Yeah. Um, although the second album was only released in Germany and the Netherlands, as was the single The Piano right. Song. However, neither album or that single charted. Well, no, sorry, neither album charted, let alone um, the song single. Yep. So, yeah. So then John Warwicker left in 1986. As I say, I don't know. I, I'm a bit lost with what John Warwicker did because he was a video graphic yeah. person. So, bit, did bit he just weird. help him with their videos? But then even... I, you know, nah, helped design the Squiggle. Yeah, probably. And I've yeah. just looked at that Squiggle. That is a weird pickle. <laughs> so, in 19, so he left in 1986 and the band went into recess. Then in 1987, Hyde, Smith and Thomas, along with Burroughs, oh, sorry, Hyde, Smith, 
Thomas and Burroughs, along with bassist Baz Allen, signed to Sire Records under a new name, Underworld, which saw some success with their single Underneath the Radar, which reached number five in Australia. Right. So Sounds of Muse. Sorry? That's quite high for them. Yeah, well, no, but that wasn't as Fleur, uh, that was as Underworld. Yeah, it weren't them. Yeah. Still someone. Even though it's the same, same yeah. band, in yeah. a sense, and plus one other, but yeah. Uh, Sounds Music magazine referred to Fleur as an elephant with a stick of rhubarb due to the shape of their squiggle. <laughs> so, yeah. It's weirder. John Warwicker now works as a video as a graphic designer for Tomato, whose founders include Hyde and Smith, as well as Colin Vincom. Do you remember him? Colin Vincom. Or Vincom. Um, he was also known as Black, and um, they founded Tomato in 1991. How do I know him then? Black. Oh, what a wonderful world life. or wonderful yeah, life yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was known as Black. I was like, well, how yeah, do I yeah. Know he him? was known as Black, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he, along with these people from Fur, they founded Tomato, which um, is a graphic design of course place that because... I think they do record sleeves and things like that. So yes, Album. so that is Fur. Not a lot to say about them, really. And um, it won't take long to go through their um, songs either. It's more intriguing that they had, like, the video graphics guy. Yeah. What did a squiggle as a name? That's more the interesting part. That's made yeah. Yeah. a bit of bulk in there, you know. Yeah. And the fact that they had two albums, but yeah. no hits. None. Gone. One hit, doot doot, but only in, like, Italy and yeah. the Netherlands and New Zealand. Yeah. So yeah. So how did it do in the UK? Nineteen eighty-three it was released, doot doot, and it got to number fifty-nine. Okay. It's got a futuristic and uneasy start. I didn't like the start of it. I was like, I hope this isn't the whole song. It's just sound with minimal lyrics and very slow. And I want to know whether the what the guy is going through in his life to want it at his funeral. But hey ho. Okay. Moving on to Agents Aren't Aeroplanes. Yeah. I've not even pinpointed a genre. I've not even had a go. Because this is another song. Uh, well, well, yeah, another song. But I listened to um, one more song of theirs. But it's another group that are just really weird. I'm very confused by this group band. Because I don't see them at all. They have a weird name for one as well. Um, so I don't really have an opinion about them. I'm just really intrigued. Like, they've got no videos. All I saw was an album cover on the videos, like, of the two, like, one that you gave me, one that I watched. Um, yeah. And it, it gives me that they're two, like, it's a duo, like, of two women. Um, I listened to Shadow Man. At the beginning, it sounded like they were talking about women's opportunities. And I was like, oh, I could get into this. And then that didn't go any further. It kind of just said women's opportunities, and that was it. Um, it was just slow and simple, not much body to it at all. 
comments that I had was, I love this high energy song, meaning the upstroke. The first song produced by Stock, Aitken and Waterman in May 1984 and mixed by Phil Harding. So I'm like, oh, okay. They've had an involvement like Stock, Aitken and Waterman. Um, hard to imagine. This is another comment. Hard to imagine that Stock, Stock, Aitken and Waterman were once underground and being played by John Peel. But it's true. The first five years was producing high NRG club music and i'm like i don't know where people are getting that these are club music from they're not that upbeat but i mean they've obviously you're i'm guessing you're explained but by the comments i will okay so in there agents aren't airplanes where peter ware on keyboards and julie seabrook brook on vocals along with her sister diana seabrook Oh, okay. Okay. I can't tell you when they were formed because it wasn't really a formed, as I will go into. Okay. Um, It's even weirder. Yeah, so they are seen as high-energy dance. That's the, you know, pop, whatever you want to call them, uh, but I'll go into it. So Agents Aren't Aeroplanes were a one-off 80s dance act of sisters julie and diana seabrook they were hired to record the vocals of a song co-written by stock and aitkin along with keyboardist pete ware the single was called the upstroke and would be the first single by the trio stock aitkin and waterman Mm-hmm. It came about after Mike Scott Stock and Matt Aitken had a plan to launch launch a female version of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> so they and so they and keyboardist Ware wrote the song and got two sisters, Julie and Diana, to record it. Mm-hmm. So this would have been around 1982, 1983, I'd have said. Right. Um and the two and the two singers would front the project, so they right. would be the name. But they, but the stock eight, stock as it was then, stock and Aiken would be the background producers, record label, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they then took the demo to Pete Waterman, who had produced a song of Mike Stock's a few years earlier called one nine for a lady breaker so mike stock himself was a singer and he had a had a a song as i just said one nine for a lady breaker and it was produced by pete waterman so he knew of pete waterman from before right yeah yeah so they went to him Mm -hmm. um waterman listened to the stock and aitkins idea and said okay so you're the band you make the record and the girls front it. I understand what you're getting at. I like it. Let's go to the studio and do it. Okay. So, so on it's February... one of those bands where there's people behind, but then you've got the front people. Behind. Yes. They are yes. actually singing this time, not the. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, Millie Vanilli, you're thinking of. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So on February the 15th, 1984. They went to Marquee Studio in London 
and recorded a track that was to become the first Stock Aitken and Waterman release. The single flopped in the charts, although it was very popular in the gay clubs and discos and was the number one single in the London clubs and was even championed by DJ John Pill, who was the first DJ to play a Stock Aitken and Waterman record. So the single was released on Proto Records, which was run by Barry Evangeli and Nick East, um, who would produce much of Stock Aitken and Waterman's early releases and the label was seen as a high energy dance label. Okay. I'm not getting Agents, high energy. I'm not getting it. Agents Aren't Aeroplanes recorded one other single, Shadow Man, which was the B-side, but the sisters did not record any other songs uh, and the project did not go any further. So I've literally listened to their whole discography. You have indeed. Well, no, you didn't listen to their B-side, did you? Shadow Man. Oh, did you listen to that as well? Yeah. Did I have that? No, you, you only have... So you listened, listened you to that right, on my own accord. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah, you've listened to everything that they recorded. Yeah. So, yes. Wow. Yeah. And as I say, the first song of Sockcake in a Waterman, who went on to pretty much rule Massive. the British pop yeah. scene in the late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Mad that, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So, Agents Aren't Aeroplanes, 1984, The Upstroke, got to number 93. Now, considering it was the start of Stock Aitken and Waterman, it didn't do very well, yet they have managed to do lots more yeah. and make themselves yeah. bigger, yet these couldn't even get off. And with the same yeah. basis of writing singles for other people to yeah. front. Yeah. And those people included Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, Mel and Kim, Mad, Rick it? Astley. Crazy. So, um, yeah. But the upstroke was just very weird sounds and very repetitive. Was not a fan at all. Like, okay. Moving on swiftly to Wall of Voodoo. Yeah. Rock. I want to go with um, the lead vocalist pulls weird faces when they're singing, you know. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Like with their, I can't even explain it, but they pull weird faces. That's what I noticed. They're just smartly dressed. Um, I also listened to Far Side of Crazy, similar feel to Mexican Radio. And I feel like, so these are another weird one. And they just do these really random songs and they seem to make people happy. Like they just they just seem to have had fun doing a song, put it together, made people happy. Because I've got comments like one of the most underrated songs of 83. And then someone else going, all right, folks, all who vote to keep music weird, raise your hand. And another one saying songs like this need to be brought back. 
And this is what I mean by people of the 80s do not have the same ears. But at least someone has admitted that it's weird. Okay. So, Wall of Voodoo. Mark Morland on guitar. Chaz T. Gray on keyboards. Bruce Morland on bass. Stan Ridgeray on vocals. And Joe Nanini on drums. They were formed in 1977 in L.A., Los Angeles, California. And they are an art rock new wave band. I got rock. You did. Wall of Voodoo started out as a film score business um, known as Acme Soundtrack. So, in other words, film scores, they've done the, the soundtracks, oh, the music. Oh, film scores. I thought you said fin scores. I was like, what's that? Oh, sorry, no, film, film scores. Film scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, known as Acme Soundtracks. And it was started by Stan Ridgway, in, and his offices were opposite the Hollywood Punk Club, The Mask, or Mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E. Um, and Ridgway then began jamming with guitarist Mark Morland, and the soundtrack morphed into a new wave band. Hmm. So in 1977, Mark Morland, who was in a band named The Skulls, brought in the other members of that band, his brother and bassist Bruce, as well as Chasdy Gray, the keyboardist. They also recruited Joe Nanini onto drums, who wasn't in the band Skulls. They got him as well. So you've got three members from Skulls, the two Morlands and um, Chaz T. Gray, and then they hired a drummer as well, and then the vocalist is Stan Ridgeray. Yeah, with you. Yeah. So, um, so, sorry, yeah, Joan and Nini joined on drums who had been playing with another band called The Bags. <laughs> Bit what of a weird really? name. So you've got Skulls, you've got Bags, and then you've got the Wall, Wall of Voodoo. <laughs> So the five members then decided to call themselves Wall of Voodoo in reference to a comment made by one of Ridgeway's friends from another brand, the Fibonacci's, Joe Berardi. So he just said a, this one-off comment. Um, what it was, I don't know, but they right. got their, their name from that. Okay. The band were an underground act um, for the majority of their time. Uh, 1977 to 1988 but they did enjoy commercial success with their 1982 single Mexican Radio when it became a hit on MTV oh. Stan Ridgeway left in 1983 to start a solo career which we will come to when we uh, do the male soloists, and was replaced on vocals with Andy Pryboy. Um, drummer Joe Nanini also left at this time and was replaced by Ned Lookhart. The band released four studio albums, 1981's Dark Continent, which got to number 177 in the US on the... Uh, Hot 200 billboard. Uh, 1982's Call of the Rest got to number 45 in the US. And this is the album that included the single Mexican Radio, 
which charted at number 18 in Canada, number 21 in New Zealand and number 33 in Australia. That's the single. Um, So although their next two albums didn't chart in the US, they did in Australia, where 1985's Seven Days in Sammy's Town got to number 50, and in 1987, Happy Planet got to number 83. In 1989, bear in mind, I've already told you they split up in 1988. The band released a live album, The Ugly Americans in Australia, which was a reference to the band when they toured in Australia just before breaking up. So they they toured Australia on the back of Days in Sammy's Town, which got to number 50. Yeah. They toured their next album happy planet yeah and that is what the live album is of but by the time the live album came out the tour had finished the single that the album happy planet was a flop as i say other than australia where it got to number 83 it didn't do anything else Mm -hmm. they split up and then the live album that was recorded on that came out Oh, yeah, sorry. And they called it the Ugly Americans in Australia as a reference to themselves in Australia. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so um, that was recorded at the Palace Theatre Melbourne and the album failed to chart in either the US or Australia. So they may as well have not released it, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, the album was actually released after the band disbanded in 1988 following their 1987 tour of Australia, as I just explained. Yeah. In December 2000, Joe Nanini suffered a brain hemorrhage and died. So he was the original drummer. Yeah. And then in March 2002, Mark Morland died from kidney and liver failure. And he obviously was one of the founders and would go on to be the main person yeah. after Stan Widray left. Although in 2006, Stan Ridgeway fronted a wall of voodoo performance in Orange County as an opening act for Cindy Lauper. However, other than Ridgeway, none of the surviving members of the band played. So it is a bit like what we're saying with Naked Eyes and also someone else we said, um, one of them. Luke Sky, whatever yeah, that was. Luke Sky's the mood, the mood, the mood. The he done it. He used the mood's name without, yeah, without actually being, being, being arrested. Yeah. Or the fashion? Was it the fashion? It was one of them. I no, think it was no, the fashion. it was fashion. Fashion. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I said that. So um, we've got the same here, where the lead singer who'd actually left by the by the time they had disbanded. Um, then reawakens the name and what have you. Yeah. Um, however, as I say, it was only him. No other surviving members of the band um, was in it. And in fact, in 2015, Ridgeway's replacement, Andrew Andy Pryboy, announced, "We won't do a voodoo reunion without Mark." So until he shows up, sorry, no reunion. And as Mark is dead. I don't think that's ever likely to happen. Definitely. So there you go. So that is Wall of Voodoo. So Wall of Voodoo, one single release, 1983, Mexican radio, and over here in the UK, it got to number 64. Okay. It was just very fast-paced and very odd. 
Okay. So that is the end of this week's. Mm -hmm. So it's just really now what you thought of them. Should they have been bigger than they were? Was was the um, public right to, uh, in your eyes, not to have taken them as you know seriously as they hoped? Mm. Were the mood uh, or the no? Sorry, the fashion. Were they hard done by and should have been as big as Duran Duran, who once opened for them? Wow. Let's find out. Yeah. Did they or did they not or should they have not been bigger? So the mood. The mood, I feel like they could have done more and they should have been bigger. I think they, if they got a more solid place in the 80s, they could have been a lot bigger. Okay, so you like them. Yeah. The fashion. I agree they shouldn't have been a hit. Their music was a bit here, there and everywhere. Like, And especially like with the last one where it just completely changed. Um, I think they just tried too hard and tried to do a bit of too much. Okay. Naked Eyes. Naked Eyes. Why wasn't there more? These should have made it bigger. I don't think they had the chart. Like, I don't know. There's just something there that they didn't... They, there's just something missing. Well, they didn't get it. it yeah, I mean, obviously, um, they may well have gone on to been what Climby Fisher were mm. had Pete Byrne not moved. Obviously, he followed the success that was happening in America because yeah. they were successful in America. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rob Fisher decided to stay over here and he formed Climby Fisher, who were still a good band. Obviously, Love Changes Everything um, over here. Yeah, I just think they needed a more of a chance. Okay. Fur. Doot doot. I think I could say there's no one like them. Oh, you um, love them then, yeah? No. No. I think maybe they would have fitted in better, like with later music, like going into the nineties mm -hmm. with like your house or your dub music, just with the way they were. So I, I agree they didn't deserve the hits in the eighties, but maybe it was their timing. Maybe. I don't know. Because the song I but I don't listen to that type of music either anyway. I just feel yeah. like maybe they were in the wrong era of genre. Yeah, I don't know. Weren't a fan. Okay. Agents on aeroplanes. There's really not much to go on. And was it the that I listened to their whole discography? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's the funny. First I... ever Pete Baker and Waterman. Yeah. So it's funny, obviously, I didn't know that the two, the one song you gave me and the other song that I listened to was it. So, but yep, so you listened I, to the A side and the B side yeah. of the one only single recorded. Yeah. But what I've said, really not much to go on. I don't think they tried much and didn't have to write promo. So it's quite funny. There you go. So, yeah. But I, don't I wonder what the really sisters are doing now. Yeah. I wonder knows. what they're doing. Yeah. Knows. So um, it's a, it was a, a not a miss in their shopping line and be like, oh, you know, that uh, Stock Aitken and Waterman, they produced our, our song, you know. We were the first one. We were the first. Produced. Yeah. Yeah. And they come crashing yeah. down. Where are you now? They could be yeah. in touch with... They found out they weren't an aeroplane and they, and they were, fell off that cliff like a lead balloon. Um, so that was a no, I'm guessing. <laughs> and uh, finally, Wall of Voodoo. I think these target certain people, like based on the comments, there are people that definitely enjoy it. I just feel like they wouldn't ever be able to make it big. 
so they they're yeah. better staying underground and doing what they're doing i don't think they'd ever fit in so yeah i don't think they should have got there okay so, yeah okay and that brings us to the end of this week's it does. all it takes is for me to give you next week's yeah bands that didn't make it in the uk for whatever reason so you have got have you said one of these is on the have you said one no of these it's actually the next it's that's right. next week's we okay so okay, this yeah. week oh sorry yeah the week so this week you have got vicious pink Blue Nile, mm. The Chameleons, okay. Husker Do, Breakfast Club, Act. Okay. I mean, I don't know why so, I'm as if they're going to pop out to me and be like, yeah, I've heard of that one because I am. Because <laughs> yeah. you're clearly here right now. So, yeah, so Vicious Pink, Blue Nile. Chameleons, Husker de, and that's uh, sorry, Breakfast Club and Act. Okay. Okay. I'm going to see what they can give me, see if there's any. Do you know what's weird? Like, we have some weird names, but these ones that haven't made it big have like the weirdest names, like where you're mm -hmm. just kind of like, why? Yeah. So maybe the name is a big, big thing as well. You need a good name. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Mm. Maybe you need that whole brand in. You know, yeah. the name, which is probably why, you know, um, record labels insist on different names as we've yeah, come across a few times, yeah, including today with a squiggle. Yeah. Last week with the fix. Yeah. Just put another X on. That's sorted. <laughs> Still can't get over that. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. I will send over the singles for you. Hopefully they're on your streaming service. Who knows? If not, other out. streaming services are available for you to video them on, or sorry, yeah. watch the watch videos of, possibly. Yeah. I always so, have yes. access to them, but for sure. Yes. Okay. All right. On that note, I will say goodbye. All right. Bye, Dad. See you.